Hello everyone, just a few words of announcement before we get started today with our service. The first thing is just to let you know that both congregations have decided to honor the date of May 4th, which was set uh, by the governor of Minnesota for the stay at home order. And that means that we will not be having services until at least uh, May 4th, which means that next Sunday, May 3rd, we will not have services. Previously, we had said till April 30th, which was the date recommended at that time that we made that decision. But now we are going out to May 4th and we wanted to let you know that since next Sunday is May 3rd. Uh, we are though being proactive. We are talking about how it is that we can get back into our church buildings and when and in what ways would be the safest to do that. We don't have uh, any answers completed for you on those things of exactly when or how that will look, but we are talking about them uh, because we know uh, that it is good for us to be in the house of the Lord. The second thing I wanted to let you know is that Bible studies online have begun. Uh, and basically that consists of me posting a video each Wednesday, which is covering the book of Titus. So you can go to the Facebook page or to our website uh, and access those videos whenever works for you. And then send me some feedback through uh, either the comments section or through email when you have an opportunity. Uh, if you go to the website, just click on the link that says Bible studies at the top. Also, you can continue to send in your offerings. Uh, many of you have been doing that and we appreciate that. Again, just place your offering envelope inside a regular envelope and send it to the church uh, and we'll be able to record it uh, in more of our normal way. Also, this is the week for the newsletter typically to come out. Uh, and so this Wednesday we'll be finalizing that. So if you have anything you would like to go into the newsletter, uh, please let Luann or Sylvia know that by Wednesday morning. It'll probably be an abbreviated newsletter uh, again this month, but if you have anything you would like included, please do let us know. Finally, again, if you have any other needs that you have, uh, we definitely want to try to help you meet those as your family in Christ. So let myself or one of the other members of the church leadership uh, know of the needs that you have in this time, and we will reach out to you and seek to meet those needs. Well, let's end our time of announcements there, and now we'll proceed with worshiping together in this online fashion uh, as we've been doing. God's peace be with you this day. Amen.
He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Today we do continue to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. We order our worship today with Divine Service Setting 1, which is on page 151 in Lutheran Service Book, if you have a copy of that in your home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We allow a time of silence for reflection on God's word and self-examination. Let us then confess our sins to God, our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God, and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. May the Lord, who has begun this good work in us, bring it to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our introit for today comes to us from Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. We sing together the hymn of praise, this is the feast. Mm -hmm. 
Lord be with you and also with you. Let us pray. O God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people, rescued from the peril of everlasting death, perpetual gladness and eternal joys. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading for the third Sunday of Easter is from Acts chapter 2. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness, and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation." So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 1 Peter chapter 1. If you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, 
Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We confess together today the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, whom with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our first reading from Acts chapter 2, where we heard part of Peter's sermon from Pentecost Day. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is a plot line that no doubt has been in more than one movie or book. There is someone who is perceived as a threat by those who are in power and perhaps is even perceived as a threat to the common people as well. At first, those with authority try to deal with that threat in very non-aggressive ways. They talk about ways to neutralize it. They think about ways to neutralize it. They may even take some actions in order to neutralize it, but actions that wouldn't cause anyone any harm. But when the threat grows to a degree that is considered too dangerous, the situation changes. And often in the end, the judgment is made that the situation is so dangerous that indeed the one who is the threat must be sacrificed. Yes, you must get rid of the threat itself, even if that is a person. In a movie that tells this story, often the movie itself might end with a breathtaking scene where the threat is extinguished in one dynamic way or another. As the credits roll, you might see the people in power rejoicing and even the common people coming out to cheer that hero who has saved them and their children. If you were watching a movie like this, you might think that there couldn't possibly be a sequel to such a movie, at least not unless a new threat was introduced in that sequel. After all, the original threat is gone. But sometimes, you know, there is a sequel in a movie like this, even when no new threat is introduced. After all, in our world, if there's enough interest in a movie, there will be a sequel. But how can that be possible if the main threat is already gone? Well, it's only possible if that main threat was not really extinguished. The sequel might begin by showing that one who was thought to be the threat digging out of the pile of rubble that everyone else assumed killed him or her. The rest of the movie might then show how this one exacts revenge on those who plotted their demise. I wonder if when people heard Peter's message on Pentecost Day, which we heard again today in our first reading, I wonder if they wondered if they had entered into such a sequel. I wonder if a little terror ran through their hearts when they heard these words. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. What was the point of the Spirit's words that day that came forth from Peter's mouth? Well, first, to make absolutely clear that Jesus' crucifixion could not simply be laid at the feet of the Romans. No, the whole house of Israel, the entirety of those people gathered together there at the temple in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, was ultimately responsible for Jesus' crucifixion. Indeed, I am sure that some in the crowd that day at Pentecost had been present for Holy Week as well. Perhaps some of them had even cried out, Crucify! Others, perhaps, had remained silent for fear of the powers that existed. 
but even if they had not participated in such a direct way, the Spirit said they were still part of the reason that indeed Jesus had been crucified. The guilt for this extreme action was a communal guilt borne by all the house of Israel. But this message alone, I guess, would not have brought terror into their hearts. After all, they could have simply told themselves that they had done a good thing, ridding the world of a threat. It was good that they had participated in Jesus' crucifixion, they could say. After all, Jesus was a blasphemer who challenged the entire religious establishment of the day and brought much unwanted attention from the Roman rulers. Yes, if Jesus had just been crucified and was still dead, they could tell themselves that they participated in a noble cause, burying Jesus underneath a pile of rubble. But the problem was this. Jesus, he was alive. And he was alive not because he had tricked the Romans, who were experts at death, but he was alive because he had tricked death itself. Yes, after being dead for three days, God raised him up from the dead. And that astounding feat meant that everything had changed. That Jesus, whom they crucified, was now unquestionably both Lord and Christ. Jesus had crawled out of the rubble, so to speak. And that was not good news to those who were listening at Pentecost. For if you were the one who had buried Jesus there, well, what would it mean for you that he was now alive? What do you think your first response would have been if you had participated in Christ's death and then heard Peter's words on Pentecost? Would you have cried out in joy, He is risen, he is risen indeed, alleluia? Or would you have cried out in terror, What? He's risen? What's he going to do to us now? We are told that the people listening were cut to the heart. And what exactly does that mean? Well, it means that terror struck their hearts, so much so that they knew there had to be some response for them to do. They understood that if they had crucified someone and he was now raised up, well, he would have every right to come back and destroy them. This sequel could end in their demise and there would be no trilogy made. It would be the end of their story and the end of the story. And so they asked, Brothers, what shall we do? I mentioned that most likely the sequel to the movie I described at the beginning of this sermon would be the one where the bad guy buried in the rubble came back and then exacted revenge on those who had sought his demise. But another story could be told as well. We might find out that that threat everyone else thought was the threat was in fact not the threat at all. Yes, that supposed bad guy of the first film might well be revealed in the second film to be the true hero. Those in power and even the common people might be shown to be the ones who truly committed the atrocity. He could rise up and he could actually save the very people who sought to do him in. He could have compassion on them because they did not know what they were doing. He could have mercy on them even upon those who knew exactly what they were doing. And that is the sequel that began on Pentecost Day. Jesus was not a threat, but he was the Savior. 
And even though it would have been perfectly just for him to exact revenge on those who thought otherwise, he would not do so, for his nature is to be loving and merciful. Brothers, what shall we do? Well, luckily the answer was not run and run fast in order that Jesus might not catch you and destroy you. Instead, it was simply this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were assured that that promise was for them and for their children and for all people, even those afar off, everyone whom God would call to himself. God was saving these people from the crooked generation of which they were a participating part. We don't usually think of the word terror when we think of our celebration of the resurrection. From very early on, we have been taught that Easter Day is a day of pure joy. It is a day to blow the trumpets and smell the lilies. It is a day to ring out our alleluias. And all of that, of course, is true. We have not been told a lie, but it's only true because God loves us and he desired to save us. For there is a sense in which when we first ponder the resurrection, there should be a moment of terror for us as well. Because if we have walked the road of Holy Week together, we know the reason why Jesus was there in the tomb. We know the reason why he breathed his last breath upon the cross. We know the reason why he suffered such injustice all along his path. We know that we are the reason. We know that it was our sins that were piled on top of him. It was the rubble of our lives that put him in the grave. And so for a moment when we hear that he is raised up, he should be a little terrified for if God was simply seeking justice through revenge, we certainly would have no reason to sing Alleluia. Our best option, too, would be to run away from God. And of course, that would be a ludicrous attempt anyways. Yes, if God simply wanted revenge upon those responsible for his son's death, well, then the sequel would end with our demise, and there would be no trilogy made. But thanks be to God, that's not what God wants. He wants for you to be saved. So what ought you to do when you recognize that Jesus was crucified because of you and your sins and is now alive again, having been raised up? Well, blessedly, the answer is not run, but it is repent. Be baptized if you have not been baptized already or return to the blessings of your baptism by confessing your sins and hearing the word of forgiveness again. Receive that forgiveness that Christ has won for you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit that is the gift of God intended for you. Save yourself from this crooked generation. Rejoice that your souls are among those who have been added to the number of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. The resurrection, you see, could have been a terror to all involved in Jesus' crucifixion, you and me included. But instead, because of God's grace and mercy and in his love, Easter is instead for us our eternal joy. He returns out of the rubble, not to come back and destroy us, but to make all things new for us. That one who was supposed to be the threat 
is in fact our hero. He is our Savior. And so we do cry out rightly, He is risen, He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. You have heard our pleas of mercy, O Lord, and given up your Son to be our Savior. Hear us now as we come to you on behalf of ourselves and all people according to their needs. Our hearts have burned in us, O Lord, as your word has been read and preached. Keep our faith from growing cold and grant us grace that we may not waver in faith or succumb to temptation. Give to us and to our children receptive hearts that we may hear and hearing believe and believing be steadfast in this faith and hope all our days. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You have cleansed us, O Lord, with water and with the word in baptism, and you have marked us as your own people. Give to us grace that we may live out this faith and holy lives, lifting up your name in word and works for as long as we live. Guide us that with souls purified by obedience to the truth, we may love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless your church, O Lord, that she may welcome the stranger in Christ's name and manifest the unity of the faith in the bonds of love. Gather together those who are separated and preserve the faith by your word until such times as we can meet together as we are accustomed to doing. Bless all within our church who are leading. Bless also those who are training for church work. And bless each of us as we live out our vocations of worship, witness, prayer, and service. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guard our nation, O Lord, that we may enjoy peace and security in the face of threat and danger. Bless our President, the Congress of the United States, our Governor, and all state and local officials that they may fulfill their offices faithfully. Bless all emergency and medical workers and the members of the armed forces who protect us and teach all nations the ways of peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Deliver us from all of our afflictions and grant us strength to bear all of our burdens. O oh Lord, hear us in particular as we pray for Pamela, Peggy, Larry, Tom, Elaine, Jody, Dorothy, John, and Dennis, as they suffer with cancer. Bless also Bev as she recovers at home, and let Maria be brought back to full health as well. According to your gracious will, heal the sick, relieve those who suffer, comfort the grieving, and give peace to the dying. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Stay with us, O Lord, and be our strength and weakness be our hope in time of despair. Your gracious will once kept the saints in faith even unto death. Keep us with them in faith and fear that we may be found faithful when Christ comes again in his glory to bring fulfillment to all things once and forevermore. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, as we endure this time of disease and isolation, 
Grant that you might be our strength every day. Keep us firm in the faith. Grant your healing to those who are sick and your comfort to those who are struggling in other ways. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Accept, O Lord, the sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving we bring you for all of your goodness and generosity. And with our songs of praise, accept our tithes and offerings which we send in as well, that your church may have the resources to proclaim your gospel and care for those in need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. These and whatever other things we need, O Lord, we pray you to grant us in the name of and for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose death has made full atonement for our sin and whose resurrection has granted to us the promise of our own joyful resurrection to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.